So don't worry, I'm not bringing the word today. I've got a, a friend coming up to share the message. Um, I thought I'd introduce you. For those who don't know who I am, my name is Cade, uh, one of the leaders here at Divergent Church. Uh, and I've, I asked Cam Butler to come and share with us uh, today. This is his fourth service, that is, um, and we'll leave the best to last. Um, but yeah, Cam, Cam is a, a guy that I've known since 2009 uh, when I went to Melbourne to play AFL. Uh, Cam was the CEO of Sports Chaplaincy Australia and, and my chaplain at Essendon um, introduced me to Cam and uh, can I just say that was a real blessing because I was really struggling in my footy club, there wasn't any other Christians and connected with Cam and Cam and I just spent a lot of time that year and then since then we just had a great friendship, um, always you know, picking up the phone, having a chat and, and he's been a real blessing in my life. Uh, Cam is a guy that... Um, has a real shepherd's heart. He, he genuinely loves people. He really believes that we as a church should be shepherds within our communities and, and going and, and helping people with, the, with their needs and, and bringing the love of Christ to them. And he has a thing called Urban Revs that trains up churches to, to be shepherds within their community. And he was coming up to do interns because he does a session on the art of listening. Um, and it's a great session about how to listen to people when we're, when we're talking um, or just, you know, building relationship. And he was coming up and he said, I want to do it in person, Kate. I don't like doing it online. And I said, well, mate, why, you can't, why don't you come and share the message as well at our church? So, Cam Butler, thank you for coming up all the way from Melbourne. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Love you, mate. Uh, that's awesome. How are you doing? You well? Had a good day? That's good. I'm glad there's a bit of light there. I can see my notes. My, my eyes are going truly bad. Do you ever, when it comes to the love of God, sometimes I just think, oh, God, I just I take, take your love and your grace and your kindness for me for granted. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you can just, you know, yeah, God loves me and sing the songs um, that he loves us and, and know that he loves us truly, but um, how much he loves us just blows me away. Now, just as we're singing up the back there, I just got reminded of a, a time I had my first child, Sally. She lives not three hours from here um, uh, in Grenfell and um, I'm going to go and see her in a couple of days. But when she was born, the day that she was born, um, uh, it was just amazing, like holding this child, you know, and uh, I was blown away. If you've had a kid, you know the feeling. You've just got all this love for this kid and I just had all this love. It was just amazing. And I was thinking, oh, man, where am I going to find the love to love this kid? But it's like God just gives you a whole lot of love for this kid. Anyway, I was quite emotional. Anyone here emotional? Uh, <laughs> I can get a bit emotional. And I, I, was, I, was, I was blown away. And I remember driving home that night um, uh, as I left my wife and my newborn daughter in hospital and uh, I was in a bit of a in a bit of an emotional state, pretty overwhelmed by it all. And I thought oh, I'll turn on the radio, and there was some song about you know someone loving someone. And I thought, oh no, I don't don't need to listen to that. I'm already a bit too emotional. And then I turned on that song by um, Mike and the Mechanics about the father's love for the son and how he didn't say sorry to his dad. I forget the words, but and I started getting emotional, thinking, oh, that's no good. So I. I Back then I had a tape recorder. Does anyone know what a tape recorder is in the car? Wow, you know, we don't even know what a CD is these days. But I had a tape recorder and I, I put the tape in and it was a, a just a gospel singer talking about how amazing God's love is for me. And I'm, I'm getting like worked up, everything I'm switching off or switching on. 
Anyway, I'm just so overwhelmed. And this guy was just talking about how much God, the Father's love for us and all of that. I'm going, oh, God, you know. And I'm driving along and I had the most amazing, amazing revelation. And God spoke to me so clearly, just blew me away. As I'm driving, just so overwhelmed for love for this child. And actually, God, I thank you. You love me so much. And and so, and I overwhelmed with a deep sense of love. Um, and God spoke to me in that moment that just changed and shifted my whole life ever since. And he said, Cam, you know that overwhelming love you're experiencing right now that you can't even describe? I'm thinking, yes. He goes, that doesn't even compare to how much I love you. Oh, I'm just bawling my eyes out and it was so deep and profound that God loves us so deeply with a wonderful and rich love. It's, um, and why did I share that story? I'm not sure, but I just want to encourage you that God loves us so much. What Jesus has done for us on the cross, um, we can't begin to understand. And you know what? I think it just needs to come by revelation. God, I love you, but Lord, continue just to show me your love, um, how great and how immense your love is for me. Um, and that sort of leads into my message tonight. I'm, normally I was saying this morning uh, at a couple of the church services, normally when, you're the, when you speak for the first time as a pastor or minister, you normally bring out some of your gold or your platinum sermons and all that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week and said, Cam, I want you to speak on this particular subject. And um, I'm thinking, oh, are you sure, Lord? And he goes, yeah, I want you to do that. So I want to speak on the topic, um, do we really need a saviour? Do we really need Jesus? Because if we're good people, if we're generally good... Who reckons they're a pretty good person? Give me a wave. <laughs> uh, hands up and down. You know, if we're pretty good people, do we really need a saviour? Or can we get by just coming to church and just enjoying some singing and some songs? And I'm really challenged by this because I'm going to, I'm going to, can I give you the ending before we get there? Yes, we do need a saviour. That's the answer to it. Absolutely, absolutely, we need the love of Christ in and our lives. But what I see emerging today is a narrative that says, actually, no, we're pretty good. And there's a narrative that's even been preached by preachers all over YouTube. And it's this doctrine that actually diminishes the reality of sin and sickness and brokenness to the point where do we actually really need Jesus as our saviour or do we just need to know and feel God's love and that's enough. So I'm going to dive into it. We're going to get into some scriptures and uh, go for it. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 51 and we're going to read verses 1 to 5, Psalm 51. And this is a psalm by David and um, uh, it's quite profound. O loving and kind God, have mercy have pity upon me and take away the awful stain of my transgressions. Oh, wash me, cleanse me from this guilt. Let me be pure again, for I admit my shameful deed. It, uh, it haunts me day and night. It is against you and you alone I've sinned and did this terrible thing. You saw it all and your sentence against me is just. But I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, you deserve honesty 
from the heart, yes, utter sincerity and truthfulness. Oh God, give me this wisdom. I'll just repeat that last verse. You deserve honesty from the heart. Yes, utter sincerity and truthfulness. Give me this wisdom, oh God. Um, in the US, uh, they did a, a relatively large survey of evangelical Christians and they asked this question, do you believe that people are generally good at their core? And the majority of people answered, yes, people at their core are good. So often our beliefs are more informed by culture and governments than the word of God. I often ask young people, um, are most people generally good? And the response that I get is, yes, I'm relatively good. I had a conversation with my daughter a number, oh, about a year ago, and she said, Dad, um, I grew up in a Christian home. Your mum were great. I knew all about God. And she said, I always had a sense that I was a good person and, and that's what I needed to be growing up as a Christian. But she said, I heard a sermon uh, a number of years ago and she said it just stopped me in my tracks and I realised I actually needed more than just to go to church. I needed Jesus as my saviour. And this minister preached on the true condition of our hearts. You see, the world says our hearts, people are generally good. The United Nations actually got a statement one day I'm going to get and I'm going to quote. Now, I haven't got it here, unfortunately. But they've got a quote that basically says that people are generally good. I had a work colleague that I used to work with and he said, Cam, I'm Greek Orthodox and we believe that people are generally good. I went fishing with a guy in, on the Gold Coast and, and he said, Cameron, Christianity to you is just a crutch. He says... I'm a, I'm a good person. I don't need God. I, I'm okay. I'm covered. And um, I was at a government meeting with the head of sport in Australia, in uh, actually in Sydney, and um, they were just overwhelmed. It was sport and health, and the Minister for Sport and Health was just overwhelmed at the amount of suicides that are taking place in Australia because the government believes people are generally good. They just need a little bit of re-education or behaviour modification um, and education will help people committing suicide and they pour billions of dollars into it. But unfortunately, it's not answering it because in reality, the opposite is true. Governments and secular culture believe that people are generally good, but biblically we see completely the opposite. At our core, we have a sin nature and that's why we need a saviour. We need Jesus. We need him in every part of our lives. I need him in my life each and every day. It's not my righteousness, his righteousness, not my life. It's, it's not my breath, it's his breath that he gives me. It's Christ that we need in our lives. And so I want to just talk on this and look at it and see what scripture says, but see the reality that, yes, while at our core we're broken, it's actually Christ who brings us our life. It's because of our trust and our faith in him that he brings us new life and abundance of life and we can reach our full potential but we need to have an understanding and understand the contrast of what scripture says versus what the world says and have a good understanding and grapple with it. Uh, it's this concept of total depravity or radical corruption and uh, um, uh, I like that concept of radical corruption. The word radical comes from the Latin radix which means at the core at the core, there's corruption in us. 
Theologian R.C. Sproul says this, the idea of total in total depravity does not mean that all human beings are as wicked as they can possibly be. It does mean that the fall was so serious that it affects the whole person. The, the fallenness that captures and grips our human nature affects our bodies. That's why we become ill and die. It affects our minds and our thinking and still have to have the capacity to think. But the Bible says that the mind has become darkened and weakened. The will of man is no longer in its pristine moral state. The will, according to Jesus in the New Testament, is now in bondage. We are uh, enslaved to the evil impulses and desires of our hearts. The body, the mind, the will, the spirit, indeed the whole person, have been infected by the power of sin. Uh, there's a new brand of Christianity that's coming out and part of me preaching this is because I've got people very close to me and we have churches in the town I'm from who are turning away from the gospel and it's pivoting on this reality. They say, oh, don't, don't talk about sin. They, they diminish the reality of the brokenness and the fallenness in and around about us. And they come to a universalist understanding of who God is and his grace and his mercy and they talk about an inner knowing there's this inner knowing if if you feel that it's right then it's right because God's given you this inner knowing if you feel something is wrong then it's wrong but if you feel it's right and what's really interesting is there is a gross undermining of scripture and the word of God I want to tell you guys that God has called us to be people of the word and the authority of scripture, allow it to be the one that directs our paths, that directs our understanding, that brings us life. Because if we're going to allow our emotions and our will and our thoughts to direct our lives, as we'll see in just a moment, scripture calls it out for what it is and that we need to turn to the word of God and allow scripture to direct our paths. Your word, Lord, is a light to my path. God's calling us to be a people of the word who allow the authority of scripture to speak to us. In preaching language, in pastoral theology language, we, we talk about exegesis where we draw out from the word. What is the word speaking to us? A lot of preaching today and a lot of teaching you can get on YouTube or you guys can watch lots of it. A lot of it's eisegesis. This is what the word is saying, let me inform you what it means versus allow scripture to inform us and bring us authority. So I want to encourage you guys not to allow this inner knowing or our hearts, because our hearts, the Bible says, can deceive us. Let's have a look at a few scriptures and, um, and talk through those. A few on the heart and the mind. This is what the Bible says. This is what the inspired word of God says in Jeremiah 17.3, sorry, 17.9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Titus 1, 15 to 16, Paul's talking to Titus about those that are preaching false doctrine. He says to Titus, to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Genesis 6, 5 and 8, 21 says, The Lord saw that the weakness of man was great in the earth and that every intention 
of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually from his youth. And Proverbs 26, 20, uh, sorry, 28, 26 says, whoever trusts his own heart is a fool. I'll say that again, Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own heart is a fool. The will can be corrupted. John 8.34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Jesus understood this context. He understood the condition of man's heart. In Ephesians 2.3, we see our affections and desires are corrupted. <laughs> These are the ones that challenge me because sometimes I'm a passionate person, but sometimes my passion might get the better of me if I don't allow the word of God to direct it. I, I love, passion's great. That's why they, the reason they did the, the whole life story, Mel Gibson and the passion of the Christ, is because Jesus was passionate, full-hearted. But his heart was directed by his father. And I want to encourage us here today to be full-hearted people, passionate, but we just need to be careful that we don't allow our emotions to master our lives. One of the greatest things I heard as a young person was Cameron, because I used to get a little bit angry as a young boy. If you're a bloke, you probably understand sometimes your emotions are racing and I'd get angry so easily. And and I remember I had this uh, missionary stay with us. We were building this missionary and and he just said this to me and it's pretty simple, 101 stuff, but it just stuck with me. And he said, Cameron, let me tell you about emotions. He said, it's a wonderful uh, wonderful servant, your emotions, but it's a lousy master. Don't allow your emotions to master you. Allow your emotions to serve you. And I thought, oh, wow, thank you. Just help me understand a few things. Here's a few passages of scriptures talking about our brokenness when it comes to affections and desires which are corrupted. Ephesians 2.3 says this, We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath. In Romans 1, 24 to 27, it says this very clearly, therefore God gave them up to the lust of their heart, to impurity, to the dishonouring of their bodies amongst themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonourable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations to those that are contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were enslaved or consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the, the due penalty for their error. Our affections and our desires are corrupted, the Bible says. Our heart, our will. So can we change ourselves? This guy that I went fishing with said, Cam, Christianity is for you a crutch. And I remember sitting there going, I think he's right. But guess what? I need Jesus in my life. I need a saviour because as hard as I try to get stuff right, I get it wrong. And Paul talks about that tension. You know, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why we need you, Jesus. That's why we need you in our hearts and our minds and our lives, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week that we live lives that keep Jesus at the centre of it. And so can we change ourselves or do good when we want? 
Matthew 12, 34 and 35 says, how can you speak good when you are evil? Jesus said that. Jesus also said a healthy tree can't bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Romans 8, 7, Paul says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It's hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Can you be born pure? It's interesting. We just read a verse from Psalm 51 where David said, declares, I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. David wasn't saying it was sinful for his mother to have have him born and he wasn't saying that he had done something evil by being born. Rather, he was acknowledging, just as Jesus acknowledges, just as we need to acknowledge our human condition of fallenness. We understand it. Man, Jesus, we need you. We cannot do this stuff alone. We need you in our life. R.C. Sproul said this, and I, and I love it, and I'll explain it to you just after I read it. He said, the idea that we are not sinners because we sin, but that we sin because we are sinners, it's inherent in our nature. Now, this is really interesting because working in the sports industry for the last 20, 25 years, you see what happens with a lot of athletes. If they do something wrong, they caught, get caught doing something bad. Whoever makes a mistake, give me a wave if you make a mistake or you stuff up. Hello, we make mistakes and we stuff up. But when an athlete makes a mistake, guess what? What happens? It's all over the place, isn't it? And this is what happens. This is the narrative. I just want to help you frame it. They say, oh, this person has done a bad thing, therefore they're a bad person. We've caught them out now. They've done a bad thing. They are now a bad person. The Bible's the opposite. The Bible says, man, we're corrupted. We're broken. We're going to stuff up. And it's a different narrative, very different narrative. We understand what Christ has done in us as people of faith. So what's our natural disposition towards God? Romans 8, 7 and 8 says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. John 3.20, for anyone or everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works should be exposed. Our natural disposition is, God, I want to hide. That's why actually Jesus wants us to live holy lives because the nature of sin is we stuff up, we make a mistake, we go, I'm going to hide. I'm going to run from God. I'm just going to pretend no, 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 and just... And, and that's what happens. We, we, we do that. And, and God would rather us just say, hey, God, man, I need your healing. God, I need your forgiveness. He wants us to just run into his arms. I, uh, I had an AFL player who's still playing AFL today, by the way, and uh, I won't mention his real name. I'll call him Steve. And he came and saw me and um, he wasn't sleeping very well. And, um, and so we caught up for coffee a couple of times and, and uh, he was just sharing with me and I was just asking God for wisdom from scripture and the Bible's got a lot to say about sleeplessness and so I just shared some of the Bible verses with him and, and um, I said at the end of it, the first time, I said, can I pray for you, Steve? And he goes, oh, listen, Rev, I'm not religious in any way. I think my grandfather was involved in the Methodist church years ago but he goes on. Oh. I said, no, 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 that's okay. I said... Do you mind if I pray for you? Because I just know that when I'm struggling with anything, I ask for God's help. So you don't have to pray, but can I pray for you and ask God for help? And he goes, oh, that'll be good. Thank you. Just a little insight there about 
how we can have conversation with people. We're not asking them to pray. We'll pray on their behalf. In fact, that's the role of a priest. A priest is someone who gets alongside someone. Murray, can you jump up here? So a priest, is that all right? Yeah, Sorry, all right, mate. I didn't want to say to Kate, jump up here because you'd limp up. Yeah, and I need I someone to jump up. just talk about that. Yeah, you, you would. I know. Anyway, I know. So. What's with that? Yeah. That's just terrible, isn't it? You just, he'll take over. He'll yeah, just start talking all right. about what he did. And yeah, sorry, please proceed. Oh, okay. Sorry. There we go. Um, and so a priest stands shoulder to shoulder with people. And so in that moment, that footy player is going through his tough time. I'm going, man, I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with you. Can I do this? Can I go into prayer on your behalf? And he goes, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Just stay there. A prophet stands shoulder to shoulder with God and speaks God's word to people and to mankind from God's perspective. And at times we need to be the prophet. At other times we need to be the priest. We need to help people that don't know God connect with God. Thanks, mate. You can take a seat. Just be careful. Don't hurt yourself. And so I, I said to him, can I pray for him? And he goes, oh, that'll be good. So I just prayed with him, simple prayer. And the next time we caught up, we went through a few things and I prayed for him at the end of that. And we caught up for the third time. But just before I caught up the third time, the Holy Spirit said, Cam, man, the answer for, the, for Steve is that he comes to know me. And the Holy Spirit was, and I knew that. And, and I, would have, I would have been happy to talk to him earlier about it, but it just wasn't the right moment. But right now, the Holy Spirit's saying, Cam, just tell him about me needs to come to know me and I and so we, we we had another coffee and caught up and just before we finished up I said Steve can I mate can I just explain this book here to you from cover to cover like in five minutes four minutes and he goes oh that'll be good because you, when you're talking to sports people mate you, you can't take much more than four minutes you got to get straight to the point you're hearing me you understand what I'm saying don't you now, if he was a rugby player, I would have had to spend about 30 seconds explaining it. <laughs> of course, if um, he was a netball player, I might have been able to do 10 minutes. But, <laughs> but I said, can I just quickly just explain? He goes, that would be great. And I said, I'm, d- I'm just going to talk about four Ps. I'm gonna, it's going to be God, man, God, man, a pattern. There's a pattern. There's God, man, God, P, man, man P, God, etc. So there's this pattern. I said, God's... Uh, God's position is that he loves you and he wants to have a personal relationship with you and he wants you to know fullness of life and come into all the blessing that he desires for your life. That's God's position when he looks at you and knows you. I said, that's the first, that's the God P. The man P is God, uh, man has a big problem. Man turns his back on God and walks away, ignores God, runs, sin alienates pushes him away. And as I'm sharing this, he's nodding all the way. And I said, do you understand what I'm saying? And he goes, I think that's me, Rev. I think that's me. That's what I do. I hide from God. I'm thinking, oh, thank you. He was just being very honest with him. I'm thinking, this is... And and he was nodding his head the whole way through. And I said, the, the... So there's the God, Pete, God's position. Man's problem is we ignore God. God's provision is that he sent Jesus. And I said the whole second part, in fact the first part as well, but the whole second part of this book was written about. That's why we celebrate Christmas and Easter. And Jesus enables us to come back in a right relationship with God.
and come to know that life. And he's nodding his head. I'm going, man, this is too easy. <laughs> and the final man piece, man's potential, is that you can respond and just say, yes, I want to I want to know God's love for my life and forgiveness. And I said, do you like to do that? And he goes, yeah, straight away. No, no hesitation. Yep. Yep, I want that. And so we just prayed together. And I just prayed those four Ps again, God. I thank you that you love Steve and you got a plan for his life. And and Steve at times has just turned his back on you and ran the other way and sinned. But we thank you for sending Jesus to make a way. And I just prayed with him. I got him to repeat the words that I said. And just in that moment, the Holy Spirit just came and just flooded that room, that place, and that young man's life powerfully, powerfully. Wonderful. I remember just walking out to the car with him as we walked to the car park and and he, he was speechless, he couldn't talk. A week later, I, I think it was a week or maybe a couple of weeks, he said, Cam, I just felt I've just felt like I've got the something around me that's just holding me. I've been sleeping better. Um, and you saw the beginning of the work, a transformation in his life and God's work in his heart and his life. But what I wanted to bring up is our natural disposition is to hide from God and to run from God as was his, but when given an opportunity, he responded in faith and that's the pivot. So man's natural relationship to God is that we're separated from him, we're alienated from him, we're strangers to him. This is Ephesians 2, having no hope and without God in the world but now, and here's the pivot, here's the wonderful pivot, but now. In Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So can we do anything to please God? Absolutely, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing that we can do to please God. Hebrews 11.6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. The pivoting moment for this young man, Steve, the pivoting moment in Scripture is, yes, we know our brokenness and our fallenness and our corruptedness, but it's faith that turns the situation around. Whatever situation you're facing, whether you know God or you don't know God, it's going to be faith that moves the heart of God because without faith, it's impossible to please him. So Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 says this, a wonderful passage of scripture. If you've got a pen there, just write it down, read it, meditate. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, all of us gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. I love that. He already made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And I love this final part here. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in summary, our sin nature kept us dead to God, but his grace received by faith makes us fully alive. I love that. His grace makes us fully alive. We come fully alive. He, we, 
we come fully alive. That position that he had that we might know life and life abundantly in personal relationship, we come fully alive because we come into a relationship with him. It is amazing. It is profound. But I love how Paul finishes that verse and he says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not only by faith are we made fully alive, but more we're able to live our full potential. And I want to encourage you as you recognise, say, God, I cannot do this stuff alone. God, I'm incapable. Lord, it's not my righteousness, it's your righteousness. God, I'm struggling with understanding what's happening. So God, I throw myself to you with a humble heart. God, I cannot do this. I put my trust in you as we do that. Not only do we experience the life that he has for us, but he helps us come to full potential in our lives. God, you are his handiwork, every one of you. I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, I used to compare myself unhealthily with other people. I said, I can't, I'm not, I can't be like him or I'm not like him or I'm unusual. Who's ever thought they're unusual? Give me a wave. You know, we, we look at ourselves and we go, if you've got, got curly hair, you want straight hair. Who's got curly hair? Keep your hands up if you wanted straight hair at some point of your life. Yeah. Who's got straight hair? Who wanted curly hair at some point of your life? Of course you do that. Who's got hair at all? <laughs> oh, gosh. We're never happy. And we compare and we limit ourselves. But I want to tell you, as, you are, as your heart fills with faith and trust in Jesus and him alone, I want to tell you, not only does he bring you into new life and relationship, but he helps you move towards what he's created you to do and the person he's created you to be. And this is what I love for God. There's going to be plenty of room for all of you to fulfill your full potential, all of us to fulfill our full potential. Just don't cookie cut it. Just don't think, oh, I've got to be up there preaching. I've got to be doing that. No, wherever God's planted you, whatever he's doing, whatever skill you have, whatever job you have, whatever position you find yourself in right now, God can use you wonderfully and powerfully because he's shaped you a particular way and his spirit is within you. So why do we need a saviour? Because we are dead in our sin to God. We are at war with God. We hide ourselves from God. Even our goodness was for ourselves and not for him. So why a saviour? We cannot fulfil in any measure, in any measure, the potential God has for us. And at this point, I want to say Jesus alone is our saviour, our salvation. Jesus alone is our saviour. Jesus alone is our righteousness, Jesus alone is our eternal hope. Jesus alone is our life. Even every breath that we breathe is from him. That is why Paul says, in him I live and breathe and have my being. Every part of me is in need of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, church, as you live your lives, I want to tell you, when I walk into the Melbourne Footy Club, I'm, I was there for 15 years and I finished 10 years ago and just at the beginning of this year, I got asked to start there again. So I've started back at the Melbourne Footy Club. I want to tell you, when I walk into that club and I meet all those footy players who are just people with wonderful skills, amazing skills and ability that God has given to them, 
I'm just mindful it's not me that walks in there, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Cam Butler can't change or do a flipping difference. I could be the most academic theologian, most wonderful psych, most wonderful public speaker, motivational speaker and make them all feel really good for themselves but you know it'll come to naught because that's not what actually changes the heart of a person. It's actually Jesus that does it and I'm so mindful unless Jesus is the centre of my life and my world that it's going to come to naught because it glorifies man, it doesn't glorify him. And everything that God wants out of our lives is to keep him centre, his son centre in our lives, in your workplace, wherever God plants you, that it's Christ in you that overflows. Can I finish just with maybe one or two stories? But uh, I had the head psych of the AFL Players Association. I don't know if you remember Pippa Grange, do you? Was Pippa around when you were... Um, the Players Association had a. She was a doctorate in. She had a doctorate in psychology. And um, Pippa was a lovely, lovely lady. But she told me one day, just point blank, she said, "Cameron, I'm an atheist. I don't. I just don't believe in God at all. And I just want to let you know, I appreciate what you do as a chaplain and all of that. But she goes, um, uh, I'm not into any of that. And I go, Oh, that's okay, Pippa. No worries. That's fine. Thank you for telling me. I really appreciate that. Anyway. Um, over the course of a number of things, we had one of our footy players, Troy Broadbridge, die. I conducted his wedding on the, I think it was the 18th of December 2004 and on, on the 26th of December, six days later, seven days later, uh, on Boxing Day, he went on his honeymoon to PP Island and he died in the, in the big tsunami that swept through there. And so 30 days later, I conducted his funeral service and... During that time and beyond that time, we spent moments, the, the morning that we found, because his body was missing for about three weeks, they, we didn't, you know, we, no one knew whether he was alive floating on a piece of wood out in the ocean. Everyone sensed that maybe he's passed away, but we weren't sure. But the morning we found out that Troy's body was found um, with about 200 other people, in a water pit, in a water drain on the island of PP, and they found his body, did DNA and found it was him. Um, I had the privilege just to talk to all the players and the coaching staff in the change rooms um, at the footy club. And as I was praying about it beforehand, uh, the Lord spoke to me about reading the, the passage from his wedding only three weeks earlier, which was from 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, you know, love is patient, love is kind. I, I read that out, but the Holy Spirit said, I want you to read it out very slowly. I thought, oh, okay, that's unusual, but I'll, I'll do that. So we met together, all the boys were there, a lot of sort of tears and coaches around me, Neil Danaher and all the coaching crew and all around. And I said, guys, um, Troy's been fan and I just explained the facts, what had happened and I said, what I'd like to do now is I'd just like to read out a Bible verse. It's the verse that we had at Troy's wedding. Most of them were there um, three weeks earlier. I began to read out 1 Corinthians 13 really slowly. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not conceited. It doesn't hold grudges. As I began to read that out... Uh, the Spirit of God began to fill that place, not a dry eye, tears all around me. 
Spirit of God was ministering to those bunch of boys and men and others. And I finished that and I prayed just a prayer, God, forgive us. Help us to understand that you're with us, whatever we're going through, whatever challenge we have in our lives, that we can place our trust in you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. At that moment, the the presence of God was indescribable. The closest I can get to it sometimes, you know, when you have a church service and the Spirit of God's just moving and it's really, you can cut the air, it's thick, you know, there's a real deep sense of the presence of God. That's what this change room full of these people were experiencing. And as I finished the prayer, one of the coaches turned to me and said, mate, I'm so bloody proud to be a part of this footy club. I said, yep. We just allowed the boys. Anyway, the next two days later, I met... Um, it was just profound. People were just like trying to, what's happening here? There's a sense of healing and wholeness taking place. Two days later, I met with our football manager, our welfare manager, and the AFL had two doctors of psychology watching him, Pippa being one of them and another chap. And and we sat in this circle and the head of psychology for CD Sports, Coin Didgery Sports, said, um, just to start off this meeting, Cam, can I just say... Um, Pippa and I, we've done this stuff a lot, but we don't know what happened two mornings ago when we were with all the players. We can't explain it. We don't understand it. But both Pippa and I agree that was deeply profound. Something happened and we don't know what it was, but it was so good and we want to say thank you. I'm sitting there going, oh... It had nothing to do with me, had everything to do with Jesus. He came, the Spirit of God ministered to people. His presence was felt by people. Um, it was wonderful to see Pippa go on that journey. A number of years later, she told me, Cam, I'm, I've started going to church. Isn't that lovely? People experiencing the power and the goodness of Christ, the mercy of God. How rich is the love that God has for us. And each one of us can be used by God to see that love overflow out of our lives. But let's keep him number one. Let's keep him as the centre of our lives. So in just wrapping up, what can we do out of tonight's message? And I just want to speak to three groups here. First of all, if you're a follower of Jesus... Stop leaning on your own righteousness. They're like filthy rags, the Bible says. Live a daily life of repentance, alive to Christ. It's not your righteousness, it's his righteousness. I stuff up, we stuff up. But he's leading us in holiness. The Holy Spirit is is helping us get and understand what it means to be holy. Go on that journey. Don't lean on your own righteousness. Jesus makes us righteous and clean. If you've been attending church for some time but have never fully confessed your fallenness or your sinfulness, you've been unaware of the true condition of your heart, thinking I'm a good person, but the Holy Spirit is nudging you to come straight with Jesus, can I encourage you to humble your heart to him and pray the prayer that King David prayed that we read to start this this service off, Psalm 51. He says, I was born a sinner from my, the moment my mother conceived me. So, God, you deserve honesty from the heart, utter sincerity 
and truthfulness from me. Lord, give me this wisdom and understanding. Let that be your prayer. God, I'll come clean. I'll be honest. I'll be true to you. And if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus today, the Bible says just simply to turn to God and repent, which is to unmask our hearts and admit our frailty and our utter weakness without him. And like with Steve, God will respond. Man's problem is we hide from God. Don't hide from God. Turn to him and he'll respond and fill you with his amazing grace and his wonderful mercy. So church, just like Steve, it's time for each one of us to turn to Jesus, our saviour. Do we need a saviour? Absolutely. God, we can't do this without you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the authority of scripture. Lord, I thank you that your word cleanses us and washes us. It does a washing work in our hearts and our minds and sometimes we, our minds go in funny directions and our hearts go in funny directions. But would you wash us and cleanse us by your word? Would you allow your word to continue to guide us and trust you? And Lord, I pray for people here tonight who just think, man, I'm not going to amount to anything. Lord, would you turn that wrong thinking into your thinking, I pray. Help them understand that their life is in you and you bring them to the fullness of potential and the fullness of life. Lord, forgive us for those moments and those times that we turn our back on you and walk away. Help us to live a daily life of repentance where we just go, oh God, I stuffed up again, but Lord, I'm turning to you and trusting you. Please forgive me. Lord, I set my heart on you and you alone. Lord, I thank you. Minister your grace, I pray. Minister your amazing love. Your grazing, amazing grace in our hearts. Give us a revelation of it, I pray this week, Lord. I pray there's people here that God so desperately wants to show how much he deeply, deeply loves you. Would you just open your heart to him and say, God, I've been, I've been hiding my heart. I've been, I've been fearing opening my heart to you because I'm scared. But I open my heart to you in faith, trusting you, that you're a good God. Your perfect love, you cast away all fear, all anxiety, all worry. Lord, I just pray that that just be broken over people here tonight. Worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety broken over people. Trust the Lord. Faith is your pivot. Let it pivot you towards his life, his plans, his purposes. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray covering and protection over people that might just be a bit vulnerable at this moment. Lord, would you keep them and protect them? They know who they are. But Lord, I just pray, would you cover over them? Would you protect them? Would you heal us, Lord? Make us whole again, we pray. We love you with all our hearts. We thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for putting your body on the line. Lord, Cade put his body on the line yesterday at footy, but that wasn't anything like what you did. You put your body on the line on the cross so that we might have life and life in its abundance. We thank you for that. We love you for that. We praise you for that. 
in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.